Hello and welcome to True Love No Shame, a podcast on recovering from Christian purity culture. I'm Danny Fankhauser, author of Shameless, How I Lost My Virginity and Kept My Faith. You can learn more at shamelessthebook.com. I'm here today with Christina Weber, creator of Underground Unattached, a curated dating experience. So Christina, as someone who was raised on a lot of standards on, on what was sort of okay in relationships like many Christians, I focused more on what not to do and wound up at 26 sort of having never really dated. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to bring you on this podcast was because I think, uh, you know, based on your experience, you'll have a lot to share about kind of, you know, how to do relationships and, and how to how to do them well. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Your story is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's start and kind of dig into Underground Unattached. What was kind of, you know, how did, how did it come to be and, and what's kind of your, uh, your vision for it? Yeah, good question. So leading up to the summer of 2014, I was living in New York City and I had produced three concerts and a crowdfunding campaign for a women-centric brand called Feminine Weapon. And at the end of that stretch, my mother asked me if I was dating anybody. At the time, I was 33, and I responded with a blank stare. Like, dating anybody? Did you not see what I just did? <laughs> I was surrounded by a ton of amazing women. And that's where I was spending all of my time building relationships. However, there was no man in sight. And I realized within that question that we have to inject energy in our desires. And I was showing up nowhere in the universe saying that I was open, willing, interested, ready for a relationship. So why would I be given that person? And I realized in that moment, you know, I have to focus on this too. Like I need to show up in this area of my life. So summer of 2014, I downloaded Tinder. I had never tried online dating. And in within three weeks, I was drained. I was an entrepreneur. I was living in New York City. Time was very valuable to me and I didn't have a lot of it to waste. And I didn't feel as though I was meeting anybody who would positively impact my life. And I thought there's got to be a better way. And I had many friends who were feeling the same way too. So I thought, why can we, can we just get everybody into a room? Why not put everyone into like a room? They can see, you know, of, you know, the energy exchange and who are they interested in and they can start mm -hmm. their own conversations. Um, and so I consulted with a social psychologist and engagement expert, and we developed a series of activities designed to foster connection and accelerate closeness. And I started producing these experiences in August of 2014. And now we've had over a thousand people have come through. We've, you know, hosted them in New York City. We expanded out to Los Angeles. And it's been a really, really interesting journey, um, not only for myself of the, the people that I've met, but the energy that I've taken in and, and learning, you know, other people's struggles and what they were trying to figure out in, you know, in, in love and relationships. And then also of, you know, this entrepreneur journey for me of like, what is this business? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. What is underground and attached? And most recently, we went through a startup accelerator program, you know, two and a half, nearly three years after that first underground and attached experience. And we are now building the platform for user and member generated dating experiences. Mm. 
Got it. Yeah, I think that's so interesting uh, what your experience was with Tinder because I felt so the same way about it. It was sort of like, you know, dating apps were sort of built to to create efficiency in terms of like you can filter people and, you know, search for something and, and you know, swipe through everyone who's available, who's nearby. And but then you spend hours on them and hours talking to people and then you you meet them. And the minute for me, the minute I you know see someone walk into the bar like to meet up, it's it's like I have this immediate, you know, attraction or, or not. And you wind up spending a lot of time and not actually finding someone that you want to actually, you know, commit to a relationship with. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's I'm often asked, like, what do I see the, the issues with of, of dating? And so why the apps have given us, you know, this ease of ability to connect with many different options um, mm-hmm. and to, you know, expand beyond our neighbor or our colleagues. They haven't necessarily inspired the skill set to be successful at relationships. And I see it's a lot of wasted energy. You know, you walk into that mm-hmm. that bar that wherever you're meeting this other human being and you know within that second, like whether this could, you know, if somewhat, I want to say that second, but I'll actually backtrack on that thought later if we get into it. But, you know, you then somewhat, if you if you realize, wait, this isn't the person for me, then you coach yourself for the next like 45 mm-hmm. minutes to three hours to be present. Um, uh-huh. there. So, uh, so there's a lot of wasted energy and a lot of people going out on like 10 dates a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah how much chance you're actually giving that person when, when you've got nine others lined up. Exactly. Yes. And, and woman, I think us, we're craving a man to show up like we want uh-huh. a man to give us like, you know, full focus and energy. And that's really charging hard for them when they have, you know, six other dates that week that they're seeing after you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like also that you mentioned the social, social psychology. Uh, that reminds me of, you know, the, I think it was a New York Times article and now a book about the 36 questions to fall in love with anyone. And I think that's so interesting. What what have you kind of found are, are some of the conversation topics or, or things that sort of open people up to, to find that connection? What's on their mind? I work one-on-one as an inner guide with clients as well and I was talking to one of the guys I work with him he's 28 and, and lives in New York City a couple of days ago and and we ha- were having this conversation of you know he's like when I meet somebody you know there's like the questions of where do you live what do you do for work and and so how do you get past that and I said you say what's on your mind you know so often we're we're all striving for connection with another person but we're all trying to figure out like what to say. And if we start really revealing like what's going on in our world and in ourselves, like what our, our struggles are, what our challenges are. So even, you know, a lot of my conversations um, are about dating and relationships. And what a fascinating topic. I can say that probably one of the reasons that I've, you know, because I, I didn't expect to be at the center of the dating industry. <laughs> you know, this wasn't mm-hmm. my planned journey. But when you open up and you talk about dating and relationships, everybody wants to sit there for hours and, and, and talk about that subject. So even just that itself, like how is your experience with dating? Who are you meeting? Like what was your childhood like? Of you know, getting past the, the those, you know, surface conversations for 
this specific, you know, client, he was telling me about that his, uh, one of his best friends at work had just got a new job and he was leaving and he was feeling a little bit bummed that his, you know, best guy friend at work is, is taking a new job. And I, and at the time we were talking about conversation points and I said, there you go. That's the conversation mm-hmm. point. You know, hey, my, you know, sharing what is happening, what we're experiencing from an emotional level with another human being, and then, you know, talking through that with them, you know, we're all like going to, you know, therapy, thank God is on the rise that that people are seeking Mm -hmm. counsel. But if we even just start opening up to each other, and really sharing like, what the the juicy good stuff is happening with us. And that's what the 32 questions inspire. If you read through those questions, it's, it's that deep good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think kind of what goes through our minds is like, is this thing going to make me sound good or bad? And and that's how we kind of were like, ah, this is, this is not okay to say on a date, but, but it's stuff that we would say to a friend. Yeah. And yeah. And that's what we have to start like relating to everybody as though they're all friends. And also, you know, with, with your story of, of having, uh, you know, trying to abide by all of these rules, like, that's a hard mm-hmm. place, you know, from our, you know, we, we live in a world or, or society that begins to domesticate us, you know, at age, you know, pretty much as we're born, but we start to really pick up on it at age three. And, you know, we're first domesticated by our parents, and then we go to school, and we're taught about to all be the same. And so this phase to go through of the study of self of actually really sharing who you are as a human being. I hate right now that, you know, unfortunately a lot of people are turning to Google, Google mm-hmm. to help answer relationship challenges. But really the answers are, we're all different. I've never met, if, if you think like, do you know two people that are the same? Have you ever met two people that are the same? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is that an actual question? <laughs> have you ever met people that are the same people no i have not <laughs> yeah so like to, for to have rules to be like you should do it this way you should do it this right way. Like, yeah you know it's all about like you and that whole search and study for your of yourself that's i think where the greatest love starts is with you Hmm. Yeah, I like that so much. Because I think that's especially true in in Christian culture, where there's a lot of rules. But I also see it outside of that of like, should you sleep with someone on the first date? Or, you know, should you? Is this a good pickup line or, or something like that? And it's it is so different for each person. Yeah, people are googling those questions. <laughs> yeah. So I like that you mentioned that there was your mom that kind of, you know, ask you, are you dating? And in my experience, my mom just kind of never wanted to talk to me about dating, you know, whether, whether there was like a certain age where I was allowed to date or not. And it just kind of never came up for us. So I'm, I'm curious what, what childhood was like, and if your parents taught you specifically anything about dating or what that was like. You know what I can say that I kind of grew up in a, like, feeling that there was like this sense of wrongness in how the world worked. My parents, when I was a senior in, in high school, they had a, a rocky relationship probably from when I started to realize from like 11 onward, my father struggled with addiction or had a, an intimate relationship with Jack Daniels. Um, mm-hmm. And so I never necessarily saw this 
healthy relationship between the two of them. I, I do hear though, you know, from, from my memory, I hear from family members that they had a, a you know, a, a beautiful relationship up until I was like 10. So I'm sure I absorbed that as a child. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, when I, at, at 33, when I wanted to focus on this area of my life and, and I had started at, at around 28, I actually probably like 30, I was introduced to Kabbalah and that was kind of my first door open into spirituality. And as a child, I was raised Catholic. And when I was confirmed at at 13, my parents were like, okay, great. We're done church now. You got confirmed. (laughs) Um, And and so I think they they were always, you know, figuring out their relationship. And and I I remember uh, sneaking into my mom's room at times and opening her journal and reading about the challenges that she was having with my father and their addiction. And I, I look back on their relationship and they were just married really young. Like they, mm-hmm. they did what, you know, they were both raised in super Catholic families. My father, one of nine, my mother, one of five, they were each other's first. Mm-hmm. So you have sex and then you get married. None of them, you know, had experience dating anybody else and they didn't even know who they were as individuals. So I can say that, yeah, I've learned from that. Uh, you know, I've, I'm now 36 and I can say I've made so many changes just within the past year that would change who my partner will ultimately be from I stopped drinking alcohol. I started a meditation practice, like I've come more into myself and that that took me to get to 36 mm-hmm. yeah it's so true i i feel like at least each decade you know from from age 20 to 30 and you know maybe even more frequently than that i sort of reinvent myself and and it's crazy to to think of you know the types of people that i pictured myself with at 20 versus 25 and 30. yeah and i was that person too like i always said you know I, I want to be married by like 22 and I mm-hmm. want to be gone at five kids at one point. And I still have this deep craving to be a mother, um, not with um, five children, but mm-hmm. also this deep trust in the universe that whatever my path is supposed to be, that that's what will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's true of our culture, you know, with the Disney movies and, and then especially uh, religious cultures that kind of relationships are focused around marriage and that's kind of the purpose of it is like this is what we're moving towards and but but seeing how people change it's it's interesting how a relationship that ends uh you know by that logic we would see that as a failure but by thinking of people as changing creatures you know it's it's that's just kind of part of the journey have so what have you found in terms of like are people you work with in underground and attached are they looking for like that permanent relationship or are they just, you know, looking for something meaningful? Kind of back to, I've never met two people that are the same. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, we, we've just wrapped up a, a pre-beta experience where we, you know, have, have switched our experiences to host it by our members. So for example, we did a, an improv workshop. We did a meditation meets the Beatles and we did a, a comedy show in Los Angeles recently. And at the end of it, and, and even, you know, prior to this, I've been asking the question on a scale from one to seven, 
how important is it for you to find someone to have a healthy relationship with? Mm -hmm. I would say 90% of the people answer that question with a five, six or seven, like they're ready. Mm -hmm. I find that from an age perspective that I'm seeing that it's with women, it, it seems like in their 30s that they're ready. And from men, it's like above 35, like 35 to 44 is when they're, they're ready. So if you, mm-hmm. if you look at that data, I, you know, while, while again, no two people and there's, are ever the same and there's always outliners from a statistical standpoint, there are some people in their 20s, and, and, and granted, I have to say a lot of my work is done in the big cities, New York City and Los Angeles. However, I don't think that the mentalities have changed. Uh, so it's not that in smaller suburban areas that people are more ready for their relationships at 20. It's just they embark into them. And then they have to do a lot of the, the self-work and transformational work together. And I'll say that with the, 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 a tip that I work, um, one of my advisors is Dr. Sarah Nazaratam, who's a renowned social psychologist. And she pointed to me that, you know, when someone is doing developmental work or self-work, um, if they're reading, if they're in a relationship and, and you're reading a book that is changing your viewpoint or perspective on life, to give that to your partner and have that partner read the book, take the course, do the mm-hmm. webinar, um, so mm-hmm. that they have that opportunity to grow and change with you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important part of relationships is kind of the willingness to to change with the person because, you know, for going forward, it's it's like, it's so healthy for people to kind of grow and learn more about themselves. And I feel like there's always the chance you're going to, you know, pick up a new hobby or, or something like that. And and you can't I think sometimes in relationships, you feel like you have to be the person that person fell in love with versus like letting them fall in love with a new version of you and the new version of you. Yeah. It's like this, even like constant letting go when you're in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And to your point before, you know, I, despise when people look at like, you know, when, when breakups happen that they're like, that relationship failed. Uh-huh. They <laughs> just know? wasted those two years or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's all like relationships, the greatest classrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I also think that that gets into another one of my questions for you, which was uh, one of these books that I read growing up. I, I read a lot of books from the Christian bookstore about relationships. And I remember one of them had this idea that I think is also elsewhere in our culture that that you half people can't come together and make a whole that you have to be a whole person in order to have that like healthy relationship with an, another person. And it's kind of a weird concept, because it's, you know, are you ever really a whole person? Wow, that's a, um, you know, I, I think that the learning process never ends. It's all you're always in this journey to to grow and evolve and, and become better, you know, and, and two is when you're, when you're not like a quote unquote whole person, it's not that you're, you have this realization, like, wait, I'm not whole yet. Mm-hmm. It's always on this like journey to become, you know, more whole, but from a, a spiritual perspective, you know, I, I've heard, and, and this resonates with me that 
if you believe that we're here for self-correction, like to become better versions of ourselves, and you have become the best version of yourself as that you can as an individual, so on your own, that mm -hmm. universe, creator, God, whatever you believe is a, is a higher power, if you believe that you'll be sent this other human being, um, your soulmate, to take you to the next level. And then you guys can grow and evolve together. Now, with that said, that means that probably most people won't meet their, their soulmate within this lifetime because you have to be willing to do the work mm -hmm. with that other person. However, at the same time, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have relationships um, because, again, relationships are the greatest classroom and how we grow and evolve and learn about ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there there is this, you know, you kind of know when you're entering that next relationship. And I've, I've heard the stories and, and you know, from, from a healthy relationship perspective, you kind of look at one as, you know, three circles, you as an individual, them as an individual, and then the relationship you create together as its own separate entity. So all three separate mm -hmm. entities. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a journey. Yeah. And I think there's also the concept of that that soulmate or that right person to be with. And, you know, kind of like the purity culture version is like, hold, hold out and, you know, don't be intimate with anyone else until you find that right person versus kind of what you're saying is that all relationships, you know, help you develop as a person. And, and I think that's what I found in my life was kind of like, I'm not doing my future spouse any favors by not having relationships because I don't have, I'm not like building relationship skills. Like how, how do you have a fight with pers uh, another person and, you know, get through it together? Yeah, totally. Like that's like, you, you have to practice, you know, we're, we're kind of um, assassinating because uh, mm -hmm. we think of that, that, like where, where you know at, at school you you're on the swim team and you practice being on the swim team mm -hmm. yeah um, and, and so and then you compete and then you're you're in it so where is the the practice if you're told to like resist and practice absence you know right <laughs> save your strength until the swim meet don't practice <laughs> yeah yeah totally oh that's totally fine <laughs> no worries um, um, this is all practice too Yes, <laughs> seriously. Nothing is ever perfect in life. So even our relationships, like even <laughs> the podcast and the technology, like nothing is ever perfect and you just have to get out there and do it. Yes, we would never do anything if we were trying to trying to be perfect the first time. Yeah, I can't imagine though, like, so 26 years and no practice, no relationships. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, friendships but but i think there's something a little bit different about romantic relationships and in, in terms of you know the, the skills that it takes yeah for sure um it, it's interesting that that this is your work now too and which has guided me to this work like you know there there's they say that what you um what is it that that what you need to learn you teach mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah i think there's uh there's a lot of truth to that so yeah. you know and then I think the other piece of that is this idea of compatibility in terms of this imagined right person. What, what have you found in terms of, you know, do people kind of know what they 
need or do they need to be similar or, or is there other factors that make things work? Oh, great question. You know, compatibility, it's so fast. People come and they, they make these lists. And, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, with, with the online dating apps, they force you to kind of make your, here's how old I think he should be. And, and this is the height that I'm interested in. And, and then you pick this ethnicity and then you can pick your religion. Like it's just like a smorgasbord of everything that you can pick on online. But in real life, when you meet somebody is where we're kind of like the, the, the juiciness is. It's like you would never know necessarily who you're attracted to unless that person's sitting right in front of you. Um, so I like to, to just throw the list away. Um, mm-hmm. the best list to make is a list of all the things that you love about the opposite sex. And granted, this is if you're, you know, if, if you're LGBT, uh, then make the list of all the things that you like about the gender or, you know, the, that you hope to be with. Um, mm-hmm. so for women, what do you love about men? Write that list. Um, instead of getting so granular and, and specific, and, and I see, you know, unfortunately, um, we're living in a time where I've asked this question to many women and they blank. Like, they're like, mm-hmm. uh, I can tell you all the things I like about other women, but men, except that they have this one list of like this imaginary guy. And so that like, that then, you know, that that's almost like, allowing us, our imagination to make up this make-believe story that's non-existent and looking for someone to cast into our story. Whereas we just make a list of all the things that we love about the opposite sex, we stay open and we don't know what it'll look like and be. And it can be sort of magical. Like if we go back to, for me, you know, the first time that I fell in love, I was nearly 16. And, and what was so magical about the story is that it was unknown and I went with it. So it was just full of surprises. So you, you've got to not almost be open to like the unpredictability of compatibility and of the relationship. Uh, also is that when you're single, I would say like put yourself in real life situations that enable you to develop rapport with people who you would ultimately envision being with over periods of time. So this is where actually church is a great place to go. That was the number one place couples used to meet prior to, you know, online dating and, you know, between couples Mm -hmm. between church and, um, and then friends introducing the others. Uh, and then work is a great place. However, you know, we're, we are at the rise of the, you know, me being an entrepreneur and I work remotely and solely sometimes, you know, that doesn't provide the best breeding ground for relationships. So communities, like what courses, classes, you know, after you're out of university, you're not face to face with people to really build rapport, you know, I find it so challenging to know mm-hmm. that you're to go on like an online date with somebody and spend, you know, 45 minutes to three hours over coffee, dinner, or drinks, the standard date. And you're to know at the end of that time whether this person, you know, could potentially be the quote-unquote the one. So right. find ways to 
to, to be in each other's presence for um, longer periods of time and wipe away this idea. Like we, we all have this instant gratification world that we're living in where we want to know like right away if this person could be the one. And I like the, the thought of focusing on building friendships, especially, you know, when you're in your 20s. And then, and then your thirties, you know, if you're, if you're focused on more so of like, who can I, you know, how can I practice being around the male energy or the grounding energy or the masculine energy, whatever you want to call it, like put yourself in environments where you can like learn about men without the pressure and the anxiety that, that sometimes comes with relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, You never know, you know, if, if you have like, in your 20s, you have like, say, you know, making this up, but like 20 good guy friends. And then you get to your 30s and like, oh, you like there's, you know, some of those those guy friends might transform into something more magical that because you just, you know, because we all I think we all want to marry our best friend. Mm-hmm. So yeah. have, have those like, you know, be okay with with like, and to and put your intentions out there. A lot of people don't put their intentions out there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I started saying like, hey, actually, like, you know, when I meet a guy who's single, because you meet a guy who's single and you're ultimately, or, or a man meets a woman who's single and they're both like, what do we do with each other? Like, oh, you're attractive. Like, what, uh-huh. do, we, what do we do next? But I'll be like, hey, you know what I'm thinking? Like, let's be friends. Like, let's see how to, like, how male and women can be you know, friends and practice doing that before, you know, jumping off straight forward into romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think you learn the things about the other person that you need to know and that, that matter in the long run. It's not like, you know, how tall they are or uh, a certain hobby that they have. It's, you know, is this person reliable when they say that they're going to get lunch with me? Do they actually show up on time and, you know, stuff that you learn over time. Yeah, totally. And you also learn how big someone's heart is, like how, what's, what does loyalty mean to them? You know, Mm -hmm. it's always so, I think one of the, you know, the, the sexiest qualities of another human being is how they treat people. Mm -hmm. Um, And you really get to learn that about them. Yeah. Totally. I feel like we could keep going for hours, but we should probably, probably sign off. Thank you so much for joining me, Christina. And thank you everyone for listening to True Love No Shame. Be sure to look for Underground Unattached in your city when it comes. And we will be back soon with more. Thank you.